Hope you're having a good day. Um, today, I want to talk about parenting a little bit. In our Joseph series, we observed how Joseph's dad, Jacob, was not a perfect father. Um, in fact, at the beginning of Joseph's life, we see Jacob set up Joseph for failure, for trouble. He was a foolish dad because he chose a favorite son. That son was Joseph, and as a result, the older brothers resented Joseph. And then we see that he was a foolish dad because when he was 18 years old, 17 years old, uh, Genesis 37 verse 2 says, um, Joseph was tending his sheep with his brothers, and he brought a bad report about them to their father. Joseph comes and he tattles on his brothers to their dad, and you get the sense that the dad took Joseph's side. He didn't say, Joseph, you really shouldn't be tattling on your brothers. I'm sure it made his brothers appreciate him all the more, knowing that he was tattling on them. Verse 3 says, Now Joseph loved, now Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than his other brothers, than his other sons, because Joseph was born to him in his old age. And he made him a long-sleeved robe for him, a coat of many colors, we often call it. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the other brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Okay, The more Jacob showed Joseph favoritism, the more Joseph wore that coat, the more Joseph kind of showed off that he's the favorite son, the more the brothers despised him. Sometime later, verse 12 says, his brothers had gone to pasture their, their father's flocks in Shechem. And Israel said, your brothers, you know, are pasturing their flocks at Shechem. Get ready. I'm sending you to them. Joseph said, I'm ready. So Israel said to him, go and see how your brothers and the flocks are doing and bring word back to me. Now you may call this oversight. You may call this holding them accountable. Essentially, I think he's sending, Jacob is sending his son, Joseph, the youngest of the brothers, to spy on the older brothers who already despise him. As we said in this message uh, at the time, the older brothers who already had a history of murder and pillaging when they got angry at somebody. And yet, Joseph, Jacob sends Joseph to them. Not the smartest parenting move in the history of mankind. How could Jacob be so foolish? And what can we learn from him? Heavenly Father, again, help us to learn. Help us to hear your message for us. Draw us closer to you, that we may be your people. Parenting is hard, Lord. I thank you for your grace, but make us wise. Move us to action. Through Christ we pray. Amen. The question, first question that I ask is, how did Jacob miss the fact that it was a dangerous situation to throw Joseph into, to send him to overlook the brothers? How did he miss the fact that the older brothers were so angry toward Joseph and so hostile in their hearts? I think that he probably minimized it or ignored it. I think he probably said sometimes, well... You know, I'm not going to make a mountain out of a molehill. I don't want to exaggerate the problem. You know, boys will be boys. I think he never took time to pray and ask God, um, help me see my sons as you see them. Lord, give me wisdom on this. I suspect Jacob was a lot of, like a lot of parents in Northern Virginia, he was better at work than he was at home. 
He was really successful in his career. He was successful as a farmer, as a shepherd. He was leading a profitable business. But as a dad, that was kind of a secondary priority. He became kind of distant. I think Jacob is a father who probably becomes absorbed in his own agenda and as a result is disconnected from his kids. A childcare worker recently told me she takes care, she watches um, children after school at a Y. And there was this one child that was always acting up and everybody knew this child's a problem. This child is hard to, has behavioral problems. just doesn't get along with other kids. She decided to look more into the story. What she discovered was that every morning, every morning, those kids are dropped off before work by the parents. And then they're left all day in daycare. And then after work, the parent takes the child, puts them into after school care with no dinner, so the parent can go exercise. This pattern gets repeated day after day after day. The child is sent to childcare before, before childcare starts, stays in childcare all day long with after daycare is over, they go back into, go into back to the Y with no food. And people are wondering why this child is having a hard time being happy, hungry, tired, parent is distant. Again, the care worker said, is it any wonder this, these kids are struggling? Like Jacob, the parents are so wrapped up in their own agenda that they are missing what their children are actually experiencing and going through. Parenting is hard. I'm not going to diminish that. But we need to learn from Jacob's mistakes and get engaged and understand our children and, and act while there's still opportunity. Parents, we need to recognize, for instance, the dangers of our world around us so we aren't throwing our children into hostile territory that they're not ready to handle. For instance, parents, I think it's wise to consider how you will school your children in their early years. You know, the default, of course, is public education. And I think that was a very easy default in the 1950s, in the 1960s, in the 1970s, and even the 1980s or so. But the world that we are, that our kids are growing up in today is not the world of the 1950s or 60s or 70s. Public education today is not the public education that it was. You know, there was a time when every morning, everybody in school was led in prayer. My brother Phil remembers the day that they quit offering prayer for everybody to pray in school in the morning. There was a time when the Bible was respected. There was a time when biblical morality was the norm. There was a time when, 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 when sin was clearly considered sin, when, when 
uh, abnormal behavior was considered abnormal behavior, not normal behavior. There was a time when respect for authority was respected, was the norm, was expected. That's not the world that our kids are growing up in today. The schools that our parents, that my parents grew up in are not the schools that our kids, children are growing up in today. So just to say, well, it's the way we've always done it, you know, just to kind of default, do the path of least resistance, I don't believe is responsible. Now, I don't know the right decision. I'm not claiming to know the right decision for every parent. I think that every parent, though, Christian parent needs to prayerfully consider what are the actions that I'm going to take and and if I send them to public school, how am I going to do my best to make sure my children are, are raised in the nurture and instruction of the Lord, are raised to love the Lord with all their hearts? We need to um, prayerfully consider what is God's will for the raising of the children with whom he has entrusted me. Now, my wife and I chose to homeschool because we couldn't afford private school. And that was very hard. Laura had to sacrifice a lot in, in ways that, um, uh, that I, I don't, you know, know that it's appropriate even for me to share. It took a lot of sacrifice, but we did that for two reasons. And I'm not saying everybody needs to homeschool. I'm just telling you the things that we thought through first, because of the moral spiritual foundation of our children, we knew that the, that the moral core of most children is malleable clearly in the first eight years of their lives. Certainly it is malleable after that, but the foundation is really established in the first eight years. And we had to ask, who do we want having the greatest influence forming our children's character in the first eight years of their lives? Do we, we want to be the ones who are having the primary influence through most hours of the day, or do we just want to defer that to somebody else? Second, I'll never forget when we were trying to make this decision, um, we were having a, just a conversation with Roseanne Russell and her mom, uh, Catherine Russell, Mrs. Russell. And I think it was Mrs. Russell who just started asking questions. She said, before your kids go to school, their parents are their heroes. When they go to school, at first, their teachers are their heroes. Over time, the longer they're there, their peers become their heroes. And then she asked the question, you need to consider who do you want, who do you want to be your kids' heroes in the earliest years of their lives? How quickly do you want to turn that over to teachers and then to peers? Parents need to think about other ways we send our children, all the ways that we may send our children um, into vulnerable situations where they're not prepared. Again, I'm not sure what everybody should do. If you can afford private school, there are a lot of people that are going that direction. Um, if you can afford, there, there are more and more cohorts where um, kids are um, they're in a sense homeschooled, but they're also homeschooled with other kids, Christian kids, whatever it is, there's too much at stake not to prayerfully consider the consequences and the reality of our day and the opportunities 
to lead your kids to love the Lord with all their heart. Um, I think this especially, we need to think about other ways that our kids are being vulnerable. Is to, did you know that 60% of teens today struggle with depression? 60%, that wasn't the case in the 1950s or 60s or 70s or 80s. In fact, a jaw-dropping 35% of teens say they struggle with suicidal thoughts. There's so much anxiety and depression and anger in the world today. Where is it coming from? Many of us understand that there are many contributors to this, but none perhaps more significant than the cell phone. Parents, by the way, are, I'm sorry, um, pastors aren't the only one who are raising the flag on this, saying we've got a problem. Educators, counselors, doctors, even Congress recently has said, there's a problem with cell phone influence on our kids today. And I would suggest to you, our children are being discipled all the time. And the question is, are they being discipled to follow Jesus or are they being dis discipled to disobey, to turn away from Jesus, to be secularists? Are they being discipled in school? How are they being discipled, discipled by their phones? Even the Surgeon General has recently said, we have a problem because of phones. The National Public Radio, uh, it, last year, um, had an article about psychologist Gene Twang has been studying generational trends at San Diego State University. When she looked at mental health metrics for teenagers around 2012, what shocked her, she said, was that in all my analysis of generational data, some reaching back all the way to the 1930s, I had never seen anything like what I was seeing now. She wrote this in the Atlantic in 2017. She warned in 2017, there is a mental health crisis on the horizon. Rates of depression, she said, are rising. Anxiety, loneliness are on the increase. She hypothesized back in 2017, smartphones and all social media that comes along with them are the cause, are one of the primary causes. So again, I know it's easy to think, well, there's a pastor ranting about phones. Yes, me and you know, ah, get over it kind of thing, lighten up. No, it's psychologists, counselors, sociologists. You don't have to be a pastor to see what's going on. Smartphones, she continues to write, were used by the majority of Americans around 2012. And that's the same time that loneliness increases. That's very suspicious, Twang told National Public Radio in 2017. Then in 2023, she wrote a book called Generations, a book that had more data Studies from three different types of experiments all together pointed in the same direction. Indeed, she writes, I think the picture is getting more and more consistent. Another expert on this at MIT said that she can show definitively that the way teens spend their time outside of school fundamentally changed in 2012. And it changed because of the prevalence of cell phones, internet activity. Now, I'm going to pause there today and pick it up there next time. And just I'll, next time we'll get into specifics about why 
cell phones are so dangerous for all of us, but especially for children in the formative years. But as we go, I would remind us of Ephesians chapter 6 that clearly spells out responsibilities for children. Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. What matters most, the Bible says, is not college, it's not career, it's not how much money your kids make, it's not what kind of car that they can have, it's not what kind of house that they can live in. Nothing matters more than that our children love and follow Jesus as Lord of all. That's our first priority in educating our children. Deuteronomy chapter 6 spells it out for the people of Israel. Listen, Israel, love the Lord. The Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. These words I'm giving to you are to be on your heart, but also your children. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your home and when you walk on the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol of your on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. Now, in the context of Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, Parents, in raising your children, teach them to love the Lord their God from the time they get up in the morning to when they go work in the field when they're walking around the road, the road when, they're, when they're passing the, 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 the gates, may they have scripture constantly at the forefront of their mind, at the forefront of their education. Now, take a step back and say, and ask yourself, what, <laughs> what is my child being exposed to when they get up in the morning and when they go through the day? And when they get home in the afternoon or whatever, get off school in the afternoon. At school, are they being taught to love the Lord their God with all their heart? Or is it, are they being discipled in a different way? At home, by the way, all of that's to say, right now, what's discipling our kids? Public education and phones. Parents, what's it mean for us? Godly Christian parents, what's it mean for us to take back responsibility for our children? to learn to walk with God moment by moment, day by day. Heavenly Father, um, we take seriously that you are God and we confess to you our weakness. Um, that we confess to you that there, these are difficult decisions. It's hard to be a parent, um, to go against the grain of society, to, to go against what our children want to go, uh, Lord, help us to, to raise up a generation of spiritual champions who love you with all their hearts, who love you like nothing else, who hate sin like nothing else, and then who walk in your purposes head for eternity with you through Christ we pray. Amen. Join me next time. We'll do part two of this.